Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Thursday, September 17th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen here alongside Sugar Shane Caldwell, getting ready to break down the main slate on Sunday of week two. And if you all missed it, earlier today we released a showdown slate podcast for Thursday Night Football. So the big question here for you, Shane, to start things off is, since we recorded that this morning, did you go directly back into the film room to get ready for this Sunday main slate? Yep, yep. I've got I've got pretty much all the games uh, already watched here. Uh, so uh, there's a couple games I want to take a look at it again. But yeah, I've been I've been watching all the games. Uh, I have a ton of notes. You know, at least a full page of notes for each game. Uh, a lot of good observations, and that's really important with this year because it's not like we had preseason and really any exactly. live training camp. So uh, gaining a lot of good insight of really what these teams want to do and what players are actually in the pecking order, what's the lead running backs, what's the top receivers, you know, what the scheme looks like. It's a lot of, a lot of good information I'm gaining, um, and that's going to really help us as we try to break down this 13-game slate and try to decipher what's the good chalk, what's the bad chalk, what are the what are the sneaky plays, you know. Absolutely. And the format we're going with here on our Thursday shows, previewing the Sunday main slate, is we're going to go game by game and talk about the matchups in general, talk about areas we want to attack, areas we want to avoid. And then we'll have another show Saturday night where we zero in on our final picks and pricing and roster builds. But we want to give you some feedback on on week one, uh, highlighted by Shane's deep film study. Uh, along with our statistical review and uh, following up on our research over the summer on the changes to each of these teams, which you'll hear us talk about as we continue through uh, game by game. So that's how we're going to attack the show today. Uh, we appreciate all your support out there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you go ahead and click that like button, we'd really appreciate it. And click the subscribe and, and notification button so that you know right when these podcasts post uh, to get you ready for an exciting week two here in the NFL. So uh, before we get into game one, just want to thank our presenting sponsor, betus.com.pa. That's a tremendous place to go for all your sports wagering needs. And they've given us a fantastic offer for our listeners and members. 125% deposit match on your bonus. Uh, deposit bonus uh, on your deposit. So uh, please go and, and use the promo code COACHTALK at betus.com.pa. All right, Shane, game one here is an exciting matchup. We're looking at a potential shootout. Obviously, we'd like to look for high-scoring games. They're going to stay close, go back and forth so we can get a, a nice little game stack. And in week one, it was Seattle against Atlanta. And that's what we provided to our members, uh, some core plays from that game uh, that allowed us to cash with, with all the lineups we gave out on the main slate on Sunday. And now we've got Atlanta traveling to Dallas. So Dak Prescott has to be really excited here with uh, the opportunity to go against this Atlanta pass defense that Russ just dominated. And Matt Ryan on the other side, I mean, he happened to throw for 450 yards, so are you interested in getting some uh, significant part of your roster here invested in this game? Yeah, I love this game right, right off bat. I mean, you have a 53 over under, and it's a fairly close game. It's not, you know, Dallas isn't a huge favorite. 
Dallas does play well at home, but Atlanta going on the road in a dome that's going to be basically a quiet dome, and they might have some fans there from what I'm hearing, but uh, I don't think it's going to be too loud or anything like that. Uh, their, their stadium's not really that loud, even when they have fans in there for some reason. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that was a nice little Coach is going to love that. Fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he knows what I mean by that, but that was yeah. a pretty good one there. Uh, so, yeah, this is a great, great game environment here. You have two of the best quarterbacks in the in the league, with uh, they both they both teams have you know solid running backs. Of course, Dallas is, has the elite running back in Elliott, and they have tons of elite wide receivers uh, and weapons here. So this is just a perfect game. And by the way, both defenses are not great. Both defenses have a kind of average pass rush and probably a subpar uh, secondary here. So this is uh, really setting up for a lot of passing yards and just a high-scoring game, and it's a great game environment, one of the best uh, on the slate, if not the best one. So so I'd definitely be considering some stacks with uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan looked really good in that game. He was definitely picking them apart and distributing it to all his targets um, when they played Seattle. It's just they couldn't keep up with the pace of Seattle, but they looked really good, and that was with Seattle having Jamal Adams in the secondary. Uh, Jamal Adams was draped all over Julio Jones. They were double-teaming him the whole game – and Julio Jones still dominated. So I'm in, very interested in Julio Jones having a blow-up game here uh, just because Dallas doesn't have anyone in the, the safety or corner that can stop him. And it's not like you can double-team him every time because they have Calvin Ridley and, uh, you know, Russell Gage, uh, you know, as well. So love Julio Jones, love Calvin Ridley. It seems like he was wide open all the time because he's such a precise route runner. Uh, so he, he, would, he had a great game. Uh, Russell Gage was surprisingly targeted pretty heavily, and he's really cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. So, so don't forget about Russell Gage. He's heavily involved here. He's going to have a great matchup if he lines up in the slot there with Anthony Brown. Uh, and uh, he, he's he's going to do really well, I think, uh, Russell Gage, and he's a little bit lower on cheaper play. Uh, and Hayden Hurst looked pretty good. They targeted him some deep seam routes. He made a couple really good like diving catches. He didn't put up a big day, but in the targets he had, I liked where they were targeting him. The, uh, I think it was a tough matchup for Hayden Hurst because both the safeties, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, were playing really well and really tough physical coverage on him. And again, I don't think Dallas has the same uh, type of safeties and linebackers that can match up against Hayden Hurst. So I like Hayden Hurst in a bounce back game here. Uh, and he's still pretty cheap on DK, by the way. Uh, and still decent on FanDuel. Uh, and then on the Dallas side, this is a bounce back spot for Dak Prescott. Prescott plays good at home. Uh, he's due for a huge game here. He he went on the road to LA and kind of had a subpar game. He wasn't he wasn't very efficient at all. I expect him to really kick up his efficiency here against a, a weak Atlanta defense and really have a big game uh, passing the ball and a little bit of rushing as well. So if I like him, I also like Amari Cooper. Of course, Michael Gallup, you can even get some C.D. Lamb, all his weapons you can stack. So you can really go back and forth here and you can do your game stack with Prescott or Ryan with their top receivers and then bring it back with one or two of the other guys on the other side. I mean, this is like there's going to be a ton of game stacks. I mean, of course, that's like I always say, that's the only issue with this is that everyone else is going to be doing the same thing here. So you got to figure out a way to differentiate. But great game environment. Uh, I do like Ezekiel Elliott in this. He's definitely a game where he's going to eat. And he's 8,600 8, FanDuel. You know, he's he's pretty expensive, though. Uh, and there's some other guys that I also like. So I don't know if I'm going to get a ton of Elliott exposure, but he's definitely a top play here as well uh, in this great game environment. He's going to get a ton of red zone looks. 
Um, I will tell you that, uh, you know, you probably saw the Dallas game as well, um, is that uh, their their backup running back, Pollard, looked really good. He uh, he's got quick. a lot of juice. So yep. there's no reason why you just run Elliott into the ground if you think this team is going to make a, a deep playoff run, which tells me Elliott's not going to be just the bell cow that you used to because Pollard's so good right now. Um, so that's the only thing that when you get Elliott at 8,600 or 8,200 on DK and then you have Pollard's cutting in this workload that's a little bit worrisome uh, in terms of that and they have all these other weapons to spread it out so anyways great game to stack great game you almost have to exposure have to have exposure to this game it's hard to get away from it um you can certainly fade the game but i would do it at your own risk here uh what do yeah. you think are you probably on the same page you're thinking here i am i would fade this at your own risk um <laughs> i mean there are so many good options here and you know more than probably any other game we're going to talk about today so um, it's just a little bit rare to have this many skill position players in play, but I'm with you. Um, you know, starting with Zeke, since you finished up on the Dallas running backs, um, if you think about Chris Carson catching two touchdown passes against Atlanta, I'm pretty sure Zeke could do something similar, you know, unless they get vultured by Pollard. But, uh, you know, he had a uh, rushing touchdown and a uh, receiving touchdown against the Rams. He had t 25 touches. So, you know, they, they spread it around, um, and they, they certainly featured him heavily. We'll see if they back off a little bit here, use Pollard, go through the air more. Um, but like you said, all those Dallas receivers are in play for me. And on the Atlanta side, yeah, uh, I could see Ridley having an impact, sort of like Woods, uh, with that quickness, uh, as Woods did against uh, Dallas in week one. And Gurley, I think he's in play as well. Um, you know, we saw Malcolm Brown, his former teammate, uh, run pretty well against Dallas and find some holes, get in the end zone twice. So Gurley might be a way to get a little bit different exposure to this game. And sorry to steal your thunder on Gurley here, but I'm just going with what I saw when I watched the game. When I when I rewatched the Atlanta game, I thought he looked slow and he looked like he'd lost a step and he was like plotting. Uh, so it wasn't the explosive girly that I'm used to. They don't okay. have an elite offensive line. I think Dallas is pretty tough against the run. So I didn't mention girly, but I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause, and, and again, that could have just been, you know, early season rust or whatever. He's trying to knock it off, but something didn't look right with girly. And I did see, uh, Brian Hill and Edo Smith, uh, get some touches early in the game, not a ton of touches. Uh, so I, I don't know what it is. The, the best explanation I can tell you based on the, the tape or film review is that he's lost a step and he doesn't look explosive to me. Um, and so that's my only concern with Gurley here. Interesting. So you're telling me the Rams are, are happy with their transition in the offseason. They've got Malcolm Brown, who's better and yep. looking better than Gurley. And obviously they're excited about Cam Akers as well. Well, I'm pretty sure they're still paying Gurley like several million dollars. <laughs> right. You know, I'm pretty right. sure they have a huge dead cap hit. They're probably paying yeah. him like $10 million this year. So I don't yeah. think they're too happy, but I don't think that they're going to be mad if he ends up disappointing in Atlanta. We'll see. Gurley's an extremely talented player, but from what I'm seeing on tape, it didn't look very impressive. I don't know if it was just okay. a matchup against Seattle's pretty tough front seven or not, but he just did not look good. Um, and I, I don't know exactly what it is besides the fact that that, that arthritic knee is kind of weighing him down. Um, right. And I feel like they have a couple talented guys behind them that can get in the mix here as a committee. Uh, so we'll see how long Gurley holds up. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's not right. what I'm seeing right now. Right. And he is on a one-year deal, right? So they're probably not too concerned about his long-term health. They're going to feed him the rock. Uh, hopefully he'll look 
uh, a little bit better in week two. So uh, let's let's transition to the Detroit Lions because you are the Detroit man. You can follow uh, Shane on Twitter at det sports Shane. Uh, he is the Lions man, and I gotta admit, I felt a little bit bad for how that game ended. Even though I'm a Bears fan, uh, yeah. to see Swift drop that ball, that was just uh, really unfortunate yeah. for the rookie and, and for the team. And uh, they they coughed that one up. So, how congratulations do you think- on the win, by the way, for yeah, Chicago. But yeah, yeah, that was typical Lions fashion. They control the whole game for three quarters, and then they and then they get some injuries, some weird stuff happens, they lose it, and then all of a sudden the Bears come back, and then Stafford throws a perfect dime to Swift in the oh. end zone, just right in his hands, right perfect there. route, and yep. that was for the game. And then uh, just enough, and it looked like he caught it, just enough to disappoint you, and that's the life of a Lions fan right there. Uh, but this game's looking like a nice uh, shootout potential here. Uh, Two great quarterbacks, right? Yeah, and uh, Kenny Galladay is questionable with the hamstring, so that's a big question mark of whether Detroit's going to be able to match up with that firepower of Green Bay. They looked terrific against Minnesota, so how do you think this one's going to shake out? Yeah, I mean, some of it's going to depend on how the Lions' uh, secondary holds up here. Um, it's going to depend if is, Def- is if Desmond Trufant, we got to check the injury reports on Friday. If Desmond Trufant is going to play, that could help them. Uh, Jeff Akuda is going to make his debut as a rookie because I don't know if a lot of people realize, but the Lions lost their top three corners in that game. They end up losing. Uh, they were already out Jeff Akuda, and then all of a sudden they lost Justin Coleman. He's on IR now to a hamstring, and they lost Trufant. Uh, and they lost Jamie Collins, their best uh, linebacker. So they literally lost a lot of starters, and that's how it made it a lot easier for Trubisky to come in there and, and come back. So, uh, so anyways, it depends on the Lions' health and whether they can try to handle uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, this game is looking like uh, Vegas agrees that it's a it's a good old gunslinger battle here. You got Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. And I think both guys are playing at a high level right now and are extremely dangerous in the passing game. Uh, 49 and a half over under. Green Bay is a pretty heavy favorite, a six-point favorite, though. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the Lions on the road, probably going to be down in this game. Uh, It's a good environment for Stafford and to connect him with some of his targets here. So you got Stafford, and then if Galladay's out, Marvin Jones, for whatever reason, is a Packers killer. He just goes up there and just has monster games against the Packers. I don't know exactly what it is, but the fact that he didn't have a good game last week, he he really kind of underperformed, but they will look to get him involved often and early here. And when he gets hot, uh, for some reason, I don't know if he plays better on grass or whatever it is, but I've seen him have a couple huge games against Green Bay and really tear them up, and they're going to be in that passing environment. Uh, And then, of course, I like my guy T.J. Hawkinson again. Uh, I don't think I don't think the Packers have really good uh, coverage in terms of safeties and linebackers for for uh, uh, for tight ends here. And Hawkinson looked pretty solid uh, and he's going to get a lot of targets as well if Galladay's out and he's looking really explosive. And of course, he's a red zone threat. And then Adrian Peterson, man, that guy is uh, the ageless one, because uh, if if the Lions can get uh, I don't think they're going to get Vitae back. I'm going to have to check the injury report, but if they can get their starting right tackle back. They have a good uh, run-blocking offensive line now, which they hadn't had in the past. And Adrian Peterson looked really good in that game. I don't know if you got to see him uh, see him run or not, but he he looked really explosive, and I think he had like over 90 yards. Um, and so Adrian Peterson is their lead back. There's no question about that. And now that he's going to have another week of practice with the Lions, I expect him to get involved. And if somehow the Lions get the lead, they will pound the ball with Adrian Peterson. And it was kind of weird. He caught three passes for like 21 yards, like he was involved in the passing game as well. Um, so – you got to consider those guys. And then on the Green Bay side, obviously, 
there'd probably be a lot of people looking at Aaron Rodgers, especially if the Lions secondary is still banged up. Aaron Rodgers is a great play. The problem is now you're going to have probably higher ownership and people trying to stack against it where, you know, in week one, you could have got them at super low ownership. No one expected that. Uh, but yeah, that's a great environment for that. And Devontae Adams, uh, I was giving you a comparison of this player is the new this player. So Devontae Adams is 2019 Michael Thomas. That's my comparison okay. here. Right. Yeah, so 17 targets last week. Yeah. Yeah. Just completely unstoppable and unguardable. He's matchup proof. So, you know, from a Lions perspective, I'm hoping that the Lions can get uh, Desmond Trubant back and that somehow that their their secondary can at least uh can this uh, to try to keep up with these guys. But yeah, absolutely dominant performance. Minnesota just couldn't do anything. They had no answers for Devontae Adams. It was crazy. They were like single covering the guy almost the whole game against all these young, inexperienced corners. He was just absolutely shredding them every single play, it seemed like. So yeah. Devontae Adams, his price is, you know, up there quite a bit. Um, but he is, he's the most expensive receiver on both sites, but he's going to be super highly owned. So that's going to be a decision as to is he's going to be like Michael Thomas last year. Do you just plug him in and start your lineup from there? The answer is probably yes, but what we'll see as the as the news. I think looking at that Lions secondary, that's why that's a critical thing. And then the other thing I want to mention about the Packers, I don't like how they're kind of running a running back by committee here. Um, I saw him, Aaron Jones got in there, and then all of a sudden, okay, now Jamal Williams is in for a couple of series. And then all of a sudden I see, okay, let's give A.J. Dillon, the rookie, a couple of carries. And then they got this other guy, I think his name's Irv, Irwin. I don't even know who he is. He That guy had some juice. All of a sudden, he yep. was in there getting carries. Yep. So Aaron Jones played a great game. He just wasn't in there very often, and he, he narrowly missed two touchdowns. We we were kind of on him. You know, it was a, one of the plays I liked. He still was okay last year, but I just don't like how it's a full-blown committee here. Um, and I don't think the Lions are a really easy run matchup. They're kind of a neutral matchup. Like, he can definitely get them, but who, who knows which, you know, two or three different running backs it's going to be. Jamal Williams has had a couple of huge games against the Lions. So that's why I'm kind of steering clear of those Green Bay running backs here, and they'll try to attack the Lions through the air anyway. So that's kind of my breakdown of this game here. What, what are you thinking for this game? Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the Green Bay backfield, uh, get some exposure to the passing game, in addition to Adams being the most expensive wide receiver on DraftKings, uh, Aaron Rodgers is number three for quarterbacks. So you're right. It's an expensive stack. It'll be popular, uh, but that'll be a, a key decision to make. Uh, a couple of the numbers that jumped out at me, looks like Aaron Rodgers might have a little bit more trust in MVS this year. You know, we wondered about a second receiver. He did get six targets, caught four for 96 and a touchdown. So uh, that's an option to look at against that injured secondary, as you described. And then Quintez Cephas for your Detroit Lions had 10 targets. It's, uh, it's a big number for a rookie. Uh, so I'm going to have an eye on him as well if if Galladay's out. Yeah, he's good. And you know my uh, NFL comparison for him, which is kind of tall shoes, uh, t you know, tall order here, is uh, Anquan Bolden. Right. He's really that physical possession receiver, not elite speed, but he's just really good. Good route running. He's just really strong. Uh, you know, he's got great hands. So, yeah, he could definitely have a big game here in this type of game script where they're playing down. Because if you think about it, last game, the Lions were up most of the game until the very end. Now with the Lions being, if their Lions are down and Aaron Rodgers starts picking them apart, then, yeah, Cephas is in play and he's super cheap. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, Marcus Van Veldes-Scantling, uh, he was getting a lot of targets and he looked pretty good, but he had a couple of really bad drops uh, on deep balls where he was wide open of one crossing route 
and uh, one deep ball. So if he didn't drop those two passes, he would have had an even bigger game. He would have had a monster game. So I don't know if that's something that's habitual for him where he's going to be dropping the ball a lot, but he, he had a couple really bad drops. Yeah. Um, but he also caught a couple good deep balls. But th- yeah, he's definitely taken a lot of shots with him and he was getting wide open. So I think that's a good sign for uh, for Valdez Scantling as a sleeper here. And Lazard's still really solid too. He had right. a really good catch in the end zone, uh, in, the, exactly. in the green zone there. So yeah. All right, excellent. Well, game three is Minnesota against the Colts. And on betus.com.pa, the Colts are three-point favorites at home. Another high over-under at 48.5. Big news here, Shane, is that Marlon Mack is out. So now we get the committee of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Last week, they both got 15 touches. But, of course, Hines vultured those TDs from both of the primary running backs. He caught one through the air, one on the ground. Uh, So... Uh, we've got that backfield to discuss, and we've got Rivers, which that with that matchup against the Vikings that uh, Aaron Rodgers did so well in again last year, or sorry, last week. So, uh, are there guys here w- for the Colts that you're going to target? Yeah, I, lo- I love Jonathan Taylor. Now that we've got uh, we got Marlon back out of the way, you know, yep. uh, when you asked me in the summer uh, for the NFL draft, I said I just uh, was analyzing these picks here, and you said, well, "What's some of the picks you like?" The first name I mentioned was Jonathan Taylor. Right, this was before yep. we knew anything about his role. Uh, and I, the, the impressive part about Jonathan Taylor is he caught every ball that was thrown to him, I believe, at least from what I saw when I was uh, studying the tape there. He was really impressive in the receiving game, not something that he really did at Wisconsin. If he adds that to his game, and Phillip Rivers makes is like the check down master. He, you know, yes, he, he, is. he just loads up running backs with catches, and he puts him in a good position to run after the catch, which if you get Jonathan Taylor in space, this guy's super fast and elusive and powerful. Uh, you know, this he's awesome. So – you have that really good offensive line. As we talked about last week, Minnesota's not the tough defensive front that they used to be. They've had injuries. They've had a lot of departures, free agency, that type of thing. So Jonathan Taylor is one of my favorite plays on the slate. He's still pretty cheap. They haven't been able to adjust his price up to account for the extra usage here. And I hope people start going on Naheem Hines. I mean, Naheem Hines could certainly still have a big game. He's still involved. But Jonathan Taylor is the guy. He's the most talented. He's catching passes, and he's going to get the bulk of the running work here. And he should be able to uh, have a really good game and get good volume here. He's super explosive, and he's the type of guy that busts off like a 60, 70-yard touchdown run. He's just If you get him in the open space, he's hard to catch, and he's powerful as well. So Jonathan Taylor is a great play here. And I think that the Colts at home should be favored in this game. They're favored by three. If they can get a lead and just pound the ball with Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be a good day for him. Uh, T.Y. Hilton didn't have a big debut, but I think he's still going to be Phillip Rivers, one of his favorite targets. So he looked solid. So T.Y. Hilton's still in play, and he's still pretty cheap considering his upside. And T.Y. Hilton is one of those guys that has home road splits where he's really good at home for some reason. I don't know what it is, if it's playing in the dome and the turf just with his speed, but he's really good. In Minnesota secondary, we've seen what Devontae Adams and Marcus Vettel Scantling did in the deep routes. And that is really uh, T.Y. Hilton can hit him at the underneath routes and the deep routes. And Phillip Rivers is the old gunslinger. He's not afraid. He's not always that accurate, but he's not afraid to sling the ball around. So, And that elite running game with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines is going to set up the play-action pass, which is what Phillip Rivers is good for. So that's why I like T.Y. Hilton in this one. And Paris Campbell, there was some talk about him in training camp, but I was still a little skeptical because he was injured all last year. But he's coming on really strong here, and he's looking like an elite-level slot receiver for this team. 
Uh, and I just wanted to point out he's 4,500 on DraftKings. That's way too cheap. He's going to get a lot of targets, and he's going. I think he's going to really do well again against this secondary with a great matchup. So I wouldn't forget about Paris Campbell. The guy's got really. He's very explosive as well. Him and T. T. Y. Hilton, and uh, they're they're going to really have to load the box against this Indi- Indianapolis running game, and that's going to open up some uh, some routes for these uh, wide receivers to have big plays here. And then over on the Minnesota side, I mean. Delvin Cook looked pretty solid. He just couldn't get anything going. It was a bad game script for him. My issue with Delvin Cook is this could also be a bad game script. They could get down to Indianapolis, and Delvin Cook is super expensive. He's one of the most expensive running backs uh, on the slate, and I don't think I want to pay that much for him is my issue here. Uh, I don't think it's an elite matchup. I think Indianapolis, their defense at home is going to be pretty solid. Uh, so I'm not really willing to pay up for Dalvin Cook, but I think he did look pretty good in week one. But I will tell you that Alexander Madison looked really good as well. He had some explosive runs. And, you know, when you're watching those two guys and you have to, like, squint your eyes, was that Cook or Madison? You can't tell the difference. And so I saw Madison pop up some really big plays. So they will rotate him in there. He's really good. And then the, the guy probably most impressive on Minnesota was Adam Thielen. I don't think that was a big shocker. Um, it's our last elite wide receiver. You can really see how the rest of the wide receiver – crew is inexperienced and, and not great. So they really rely on Adam Thielen and he's a matchup nightmare. I don't think anyone in this Indianapolis secondary can cover Adam Thielen. He was just getting wide open in the last game, uh, even with uh, uh, J- Jair Alexander uh, blanketing him the whole time. He was still burning him and getting open. Uh, so in Kirk Cousins connection with him was good. Kirk Cousins looked pretty mobile running around. Uh, you know, got a few rushes and Kirk Cousins uh, was maneuvering in the pocket well and finding Adam Thielen on pretty deep and intermediate routes down down the field. So I like that connection between Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and just the amount of volume he's going to get. Adam Thielen's a guy that's worth paying up for here. Yeah, he was terrific. Uh, certainly the leader there. And on the running backs for Minnesota, I'll add that not only is Cook expensive, but it's really close to that timeshare that you want to avoid, you know, depending on the price. I mean, with the Indianapolis timeshare, you know, Taylor's still a great price, under 6000 on DraftKings. But Cook, way over 7000 And he had 13 touches last week. Alexander Madison had 10. And like you said, looked great. So he looks that's so a, good. Yeah, that's, that's a real tough situation there. Um, yeah. Probably avoid that one. And then back on the Colts side, I agree. I mean, if T.Y. Hilton can do anything like Devontae Adams last week with those matchups, you know, that's – a great opportunity for him to pay off value at only 5,700 uh, on DraftKings. So you can get some of these Colts skill position players at a nice price. And I think I probably will. Definitely. All right. Um, before we get to game four, just want to mention for the folks who are new to the program, uh, we do offer memberships. We'd love to have you jump in. And the thing that makes us different is that we give full lineups to our members on FanDuel. We give a cash lineup and a GPP lineup for every slate. And then on DraftKings, we give out the coach's clipboard with our uh, core plays highlighted and then a bunch of pivots so you can fill out your lineup. And we're also giving out a Yahoo lineup uh, for the folks who were there. Um, Shane's lineup was terrific last week. Uh, Members cashed with that. So uh, just jump in at dfscoachtalk.com. Pick up the weekly, monthly, or annual membership or the fall special. If you're really focusing on football, that'll get you through the end of the calendar year at a nice discount off the monthly price. So we'd love to have you jump in as a member. All right, game four, Shane, is Buffalo at Miami. 
the betus.com.pa line is Buffalo minus six. And our first lower over-under, it's 41. So first question here is, is this an opportunity for us to get our defense? Are you going to look at the Bills up against the ancient Fitzpatrick who threw three picks last week? Uh, I'm going to uh, go a couple layers deep here in terms of the way I look at the game strategy. Buffalo has to travel on this one. Okay, they, they were at home last week. Uh, so Buffalo has to travel into Miami. It's going to be, you know, close to 90 degrees. I'm sure super humid. Uh, and yeah, this would look like a perfect spot because Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the turnover machine. Um, but I'm not quite so sure about that with them having to travel. And I, I don't like road teams as much with the COVID protocols. There's more things they have to do. They only get, they travel in the day before, so they don't have as much time to kind of acclimate, um, at, from the travel. And you got the entire defense, you know, that's affected by that. And it's going to be really hot and humid. They could get kind of worn out. And I would tell you that at home, Miami plays pretty good. Uh, they showed that they had a decent running game and they have really talented wide receivers. And even Finally. Buffalo's defense is good. Yeah. That, that is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not hard, is not afraid to sling the ball and surprise you even against a tough defense like that. He's not afraid at all. And he plays good against Buffalo. It's like his former team. So because of those things, the factor of the travel on the road, I'm not really on Buffalo's defense. I, I, hundred percent see why people would be on them because the turnover prone and their elite level at all three levels. But I, I think that Miami can actually score and stay in this game um, with the, with the home field advantage here. Um, and the first time Buffalo's had to travel with the heat and the humidity and all the different protocols they have to follow. I think it's just tougher for home for away teams, even though they don't have to deal with crowd noise. There's a lot of other things these players have to deal with before game time. So that's just kind of my theory on road teams in the COVID era. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes. I haven't looked at the home road splits yet. Well, I guess we'll have to wait a few weeks to see how that right. looks, you know, for, to, to see what, what the what the statistics are. Um but yeah, it's a low over under. So I'm not looking to get a lot of exposure here. I think that the Miami defense is good enough to limit the Buffalo offense. And of course, Buffalo's defense is really good to limit Miami's upside as well. Um, but I think it would be a, a low scoring, close battle here. Um, obviously, you, I still like Buffalo as the favorite. Um, I, I think that Josh Allen looked really good. I can see his improvement. Uh with Josh Allen, there was a ton of designed run plays, so he definitely is going to rack up the rushing yards, similar to what Cam Newton did against Miami. Yeah, uh, so 14 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. And, yeah. oh, by the way, he threw for over 300. Exactly. So I don't expect the same type of game from Josh Allen. Um, he's getting a little bit more expensive now, so I'm not super high on him. Um, like I said, I think on the road against Miami, Miami has really good secondary. You know, they got Byron Jones, Xavier, uh, Xavier Howard. So they have some pretty good corners out there. Uh, they don't have much of a pass rush. But, yeah, Josh Allen looked really good the way designed run plays, maneuvering in the pocket. He was really impressive in the short passes, actually, in the short to intermediate passes. He was still having a little bit of accuracy issues with the deep balls. Uh, but he was slinging the ball around and he looked really good. Uh, so I, I'm not going to fault people for taking him. It's just I don't like necessarily this matchup, you know, on the road uh, against Miami, even though Miami's defense isn't great. I think that they can contain him a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely a spot where you could play J Josh Allen just by himself. I don't know if I'd do a lot of stacks in this game. But what do you think? Would you would you play Josh Allen just because it's a good matchup with Miami? I think you could and you could go naked with him. Um, you know, he's got the same matchup that Cam Newton had. And we talked about on the first show how we thought he might run one in from inside the five. And he ran in multiple touchdowns. 
And, you know, Josh Allen, with all those rushing attempts last week, we know that he's done that uh, throughout his career already. Uh, that, that could happen again. And, you know, those wide receivers, it's a much better core, but, you know, not necessarily going to get heavy volume here in what might be um, a game script where the Bills are leading and they don't need to, to run it up. Um, if they are ahead, though, one value play I want to mention on the Dolphins side is Miles Gaskin. And, you know, we've heard all summer all this talk about Howard and Breda. Uh, how's the backfield going to split up? But this guy looked terrific with the opportunities he got. And he ended up getting 13 touches. He's only 4,300 on DraftKings. He caught four passes for 26. And one of them was a nice one-handed grab. I mean, it was a highlight play on, on a short pass. But, you know, those things stick out on film. And I think he's going to get an opportunity to be out there again. And if they're behind, I think he'll, you know, he already has that nice chemistry with Fitzpatrick after week one. You know, he's a guy in the cheaper price range that you could look at. Um, you know, there are some other options in that price range on DraftKings like Madison, who we just talked about. But um, somebody to keep an, keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to build out our lineups here for the rest of the week and uh, give those final plays out to our members on uh, Sunday. All right, Shane, game number five. We talked about Buffalo last week. Uh, they're win against the Jets and the Jets are in game five here hosting the 49ers uh, early kickoff for the 49ers heading east they are favored by seven over under 42 and a half got some injury news here of course on the 49ers side with the pass catchers Kittle is questionable Debo is out Brandon Ayuk was practicing here today so he might be out there um, so with what about the injury Richard Sherman? I think Richard I Sherman might be out as well. Okay. I didn't see the yep. note on him. So, yep. all right. Uh, that could affect the uh, the secondary. And um, we'll just finish off that matchup. Jamison Crowder, questionable for the Jets. He didn't practice here today on Thursday with a hamstring. And, and you know, he, he had the biggest target share for the Jets. So, um, that's going to be a big loss for them if he's out for them to have any chance. But how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, the New York Jets offense looked really bad, and Sam Darnold looked lost again. Uh, even when he had wide open receivers, he was just really inaccurate with his passes. So he was under some pressure. Obviously, Buffalo's a good defense last week, but San Fran's not going to be any different. They're going to put a lot of pressure on him. I think it will help the Jets a little bit with Sam Darnold that Richard Sherman's out. Uh, so maybe Prashad Pyramid could Pyramid could have a good game. Uh, that's certainly a possibility if you got Richard Sherman out. But Shane, I should mention... Uh, Le'Veon Bell, of course, on injured reserve. So, yeah, uh, I was going to mention that yeah. as well. Absolutely, okay. and that hurts them as well. So, so now they're, they're going to be, you know, Frank Gore. I mean, come on, he's he's pretty old. I know Adam Gase loves him, but I don't look. I don't like Frank Gore, even if he's getting volume here. So the Jets are just depleted. They don't really have that many good players right now. Um, Crowder's probably their best offensive player, and it looks like he's trending towards being out here. Rashad Perriman still getting used to the system. Still doesn't have that full chemistry with Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's not playing good. So. Uh, yeah, the only reason I wouldn't like San Francisco's defense as my top pick is probably because uh, they have to travel so far and, you know, they're playing early in the East Coast time zone. So, I, But I think they're still going to dominate. Um, 
It's going to be interesting on the San Fran side, though. I kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo because I look at the New York Jets, a pretty tough defense. They're kind of that pass funnel defense. I think they're pretty tough against the run, but they're pretty they're weak against uh, in the secondary against the pass. They don't have Jamal Adams backing up back there anymore either. Uh, so kind of like uh, Josh Allen was able to pick them apart last week. Uh, Diggs and uh, John Brown were able to get off there. Garoppolo is a guy that you could play. He's 5,700 on DraftKings, by the way. I thought that was pretty cheap. And uh, he's in that pass funnel defense because I don't know if San Francisco is going to be able to have their way in the running game like they normally do in this game. The Jets will load the box, and they're pretty physical against the run. So if they can't, then they've got to score somehow. Someone's got to score in this game, even though it's a low over-under. San Francisco's obviously a big favorite. So Garoppolo could have a big sneaky game here with three or four touchdowns um, and have a solid game against this Jets secondary that's pretty weak. Um, but it's hard to pick, know who to pair him with. I think George Kittle's going to play, but I don't think he's going to be 100% uh, healthy here. Brandon Ayuk is a rookie. That's going to be kind of a tough uh, tough one there. Obviously, Debo Samuel's out. So it's just really hard to figure you know, out. There's, there's only play. one guy left. It's Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the born, born to be alive, right? <laughs> the Bourne ultimatum. Did you see that uh, Yeah. The, the pass from Jimmy G late? It was, it was headed right for Bourne in the end zone. And it hit the defender's helmet at the last second. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah, was, that, that was, was unfortunate. That, that was yeah. your Kendrick Bourne call right there. Yeah, yeah I had the two percent. <laughs> had the two percent ownership in our GPP yeah. lineup on FanDuel. The lineup still cashed, but would have been nice yeah. little bonus if he'd been able to make that touchdown catch. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, and that you know that San Fran game was interesting because. I was kind of predicting that Arizona would be able to score on them. I was saying how San Fran defense is not as good as they used to be uh, with some of the losses they have. And that's really what happened is that the Arizona was able to have their way, especially DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray there. So, yes, they uh, did. yeah. But I don't think Sam Darnold's the same type of guy and has no, the same he's type not. No, I don't think he is. So it's going to be a problem for the Jets. Unless something freaky happens, I can't imagine them losing. But the NFL surprises you every week. But, yeah, it's just not a lot of good DFS exposure going on here and just not a great game to target. But I will mention, like I said, Garoppolo, just because it's kind of a pass-funnel defense and someone's got to score. San Fran's got to score somehow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with all the success the Bills had through the air against the Jets, it's an area that looks attractive. It is just hard to sort out. So we'll wait and see on the injury news. But – you know, guys like Bourne, you could use as a one-off. Uh, the running, you know, the the running back group is a little bit crowded. Mostert, certainly the man, he had 19 catches. And I will mention that the uh, Buffalo running backs did well catching the ball against the Jets. And Mostert, you know, four for 95 and a touchdown through the air. But McKinnon right there with six touches. He had a receiving touchdown last week. Tevin Coleman right there with five touches. So. Uh, it's tough. You could see them really spreading out the usage here and the touches and not having anybody in particular have a monster game. So um, there's the breakdown there. Uh, Shane, let's continue on with these one o'clock kickoffs. We've got another one um, with the Rams and the Eagles. And this one's at a pick them right now on BetUS. That's over true. under over under 45 and a half and two more situations with crowded running backs. We've got Miles Sanders likely back for Philly. So that's uh, quite a hit for Boston Scott, Corey Clement. And then on the Rams side, you know, Malcolm Brown with those two nice touchdowns looked really good when he was running it. He had 18 carries. Cam Akers had 14. Um, so with uh, these crowded backfields, is there anyone at this point in the week that you're looking to target in this game? 
Well, I was just talking about how the New York Jets are kind of a pass funnel defense. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are also a pass funnel defense. So that means they're super stout against the run, uh, pretty much elite level against the run. I, I wouldn't want to run at them very much, but you can definitely get them in the pass. And uh, so I, I could see this being a pretty good game for Jared Goff, and he's still pretty affordable, especially on DraftKings at 5,800. So Jared Goff, I think, is going to get quite a bit of pass volume here. I don't think this is a game where their offensive line is not dominant enough to be able to handle the defensive tackles, uh, the D the D linemen for Philadelphia in the run game. Um, so I think Jared Goff could get a lot of volume with a lot of those quick passes here and kind of pick apart the Eagles secondary, which is their weakness. Uh, and I could see someone like Cooper Cup having a big game. So I do like Cooper Cup, even though he is pretty expensive. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get up to his price point. Uh, Robert Woods had a great game uh, last week, and I think Robert Woods will be good, but I'm hearing news that that Darius Slade could shadow Robert Woods as well, and Darius Slade did pretty good against Terry McLaurin in a shadow situation last year, or last week, I mean. So I'm not sure about Robert Woods. If, if Slade's on him the whole game, that leaves Cooper Cup with the better matchup here. So I could see him having one of those games where he just has a breakout game here out of nowhere, which is kind of Cooper Cup's MO, it seems like. Uh, he kind of disappears and then he goes off for a big game. So so that's kind of what I'm looking at at the Rams side. I'm not really interested in their running backs because of the committee and the matchup is brutal, in my opinion, going on the road from L.A. all the way to Philadelphia and then trying to trying to run against this defensive front is, uh, in my opinion, not a good matchup at all. I like Cam Akers for a long-term prospect for the L.A. Rams. I think Cam Akers is by far the best running back. I think Malcolm Brown is just more experienced and knows the offense better early in the year, but eventually Cam Akers will take over this backfield. That's just my opinion long-term in this. And then when you get on the other side, Philadelphia, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't. I, I think you've seen what Aaron Donald can do in terms of ruining a game, just ragdolling people, taking on two defenders. Uh, I don't really like that with the way Carson Wentz looked under pressure. Um, I don't think that's going to give him a lot of time to get the ball down the down the field deep when he has uh, Aaron Donald and company in his face. So because Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson are good deep threats, but I'm not sure if I like that. So I would probably target the tight ends against the Rams here. Uh, you know who looked really good was Dallas Goddard. That guy's an uh, awesome athlete. And the catches and the, the routes he was running were phenomenal. Zach Ertz is still really good, but I really like Dallas Goddard in this game. And then probably the guy I like the most would be Miles Sanders. I like how Miles Sanders was injured for a while and people kind of forgot about him. They're kind of looking like he's just some hobbled guy that's coming back. You know, I don't th I don't think a lot of people are on him from what I'm hearing. We'll see. I'm going to look at ownership projections hopefully pretty soon here. But his, he's really cheap. He's only six thousand dollars on DraftKings. So uh, Miles Sanders is on track to play and their their stud right tackle. Lane Johnson is also back at practice and they were missing him last year. So that's two upgrades right there. So I like Miles Sanders in this game. You can run against the Rams and the Rams are not great at, uh, at, uh, uh, covering receiving backs. You know, we saw that with Ezekiel Elliott getting to him last year. It looked like there was four or five guys standing around Ezekiel Elliott as he scores a touchdown yeah, in the really? pass game, right? Yep. Yeah, so so I could see the same game for Miles Sanders. Even if he doesn't go for 100 yards rushing, he doesn't have to because you've seen the type of work he can do in the passing game. And Carson Wentz is going to look for that nice check down because he's going to have Aaron Donald in his face here. So uh, so I like Miles Sanders a lot in this game. And, and uh, I think... Uh, Dallas Goddard is a sneaky play because I don't think the Rams can cover tight ends. The Rams didn't have to really cover a tight end last week because Blake Jarwin blew out his ACL before he could yeah. really do much damage. Okay. So 
they haven't faced a pair of tight ends like this yet this year, and they have to travel away to Philadelphia. And Carson Wentz will be looking for those outlets, which will be Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. And those guys are all playmakers, and they'll do some damage in this matchup here. Yeah, I, what you're saying with Sanders makes a lot of sense, but I'm just concerned about that committee. Uh, too many guys there. I don't trust the Philly backfield when they've got three guys who might get involved. So I'd be more likely to look at those tight ends. And then on the Rams side, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's the one thing the Eagles did well last week is they stuffed the run. Peyton Barber, 17 carries for 29 yards. Uh, he just couldn't get anything going. So I'll probably avoid the backfield and 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 possibly look at Cup uh, for the reasons that you mentioned. I will say though, I don't think Miles San. I don't think the Eagles are going to do a committee here. Okay. I don't think Boston Scott and Corey Clement are really that good. I mean, if you look at their performance last week, they really didn't look that great out there when I rewatched the game. So Miles Sander is their is their bell cow back. I understand he's just coming off a hamstring coming off a hamstring injury, but he's I think he's pretty much fully healthy now. And this is the type of game they're saving him for. And guess what? They're they're 0-1 and they've lost a really bad game to the Washington football team. I mean, so so if you can imagine, they're going to give the ball to their bell cow, to their, their their number one running back by far. So I think he's going to get a good workload here. He'll get he'll get a breather every now and then from those backups, but I don't think it's a full-blown committee. I think he's going to get plenty of touches and snaps and uh, plenty of work and enough to produce here. And keep in mind, he's not bell cow pricing. You know, he's around the $6,000 range. So so I'm, I'm really high on Miles, Miles Sanders, and I hope everyone is thinking it's a full committee because that's good. That's good for ownership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll that's see the, how it plays out. Keep telling everyone that. I'm good with yeah. that. <laughs> All right, next game on the list is Denver traveling to Pittsburgh. And big news for Pittsburgh is that James Conner was back in practice here on Thursday. So uh, for a while there, it wasn't look good, looking good. Um, he started off the season with a bang, just getting a bunch of touches there early, but it wasn't very productive. Then he gets hurt, and then Benny Snell looks really good in relief, 19 carries for 113. So, you know, they're saying that it, Connor's got his spot when he's ready, and it looks like he's going to be ready to go. But, you know, Benny, Benny Snell certainly looking over his shoulder. Um, what, what do you think about the backfield there? I mean, it sounds like, like we were just talking about Philadelphia, like this could be a committee. Because Benny Snell looks so good, he like lost some weight, and all of a sudden he's explosive. You know, he's not yeah. known as a fast guy, but he just looks so fast and and just good in the pass game and the run game. So, and I could see them being a little cautious with Connor after he already got injured. Uh, so I could see them splitting carries more uh, in, in this game, which does hurt their production. I don't think Denver's a real easy matchup against the run. I think they're pretty decent against the run. Uh, Denver pretty much contained uh, uh, Derrick Henry was one of the best just pure runners in the game. I mean, Derrick Henry didn't have a monster game. He had a little bit, but he, he needed 31 carries. And he still didn't get 100 rushing yards. So uh, so I think that uh, Denver's a formidable matchup, but they are on the road traveling to Pittsburgh. But I'm not interested in their running game, but I am interested in the passing game with Ben Roethlisberger. He's uh, in the mid-range pricing. I think Roethlisberger, with the array of weapons that he has, is a great a great guy. And Ben Roethlisberger is one of those home-road split guys. At home, he just completely shreds people when he's healthy. And if you look at the target, the, the amount of targets that he has with all these different receivers and tight ends and running backs, you know, whether it's Snell or Connor, he just has a ton of weapons. So I think uh, Roethlisberger's in for a big game here. And Denver's secondary is hurting. They lost A.J. Bouye. Uh, their top cornerback, and they were already a subpar secondary after they lost Chris Harris in the offseason. So Denver's another one of those teams 
Uh, I'm not going to call him a pass funnel, but I think the way you want to attack them is in the pass game. And Ben Roethlisberger has no problem doing that at home with the home field advantage here going against this defense. And they're pretty, pretty heavy favors here. Uh, seven and a half point favorites. Uh, if you're going to go with Roethlisberger, uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a good play in this one. He's going to have a great matchup against that secondary. He's a little expensive, though, so you have to make those decisions. Deontay Johnson's still really cheap. For example, 4500 on DraftKings is way too cheap for him. Deontay Johnson didn't have a big first half, but he came on in the second half. I think he'll put right. together a complete uh, game here, and he's going to get a ton of targets. And the guy, is just, he just seems like he's always wide open. He's good at run after the catch. He's just really sneaky and very quick. Um, so I could see Deontay Johnson making some big plays in this one and Ben hitting him for some deep balls and a lot of underneath stuff as well. So I really like him, especially on DraftKings uh, for Deontay Johnson. And I feel like people are kind of forgetting about him because he had a, a pretty average game last week. And I think he's in a blow-up spot here. So that's kind of the guys that I like. Other than that, I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of Pittsburgh, but I think the passing game is very explosive here. Yeah, I like the, the idea of targeting the passing game here. And your boy Deontay came on there, got his 10 targets when all was said and done. I could see him having an impact against the Broncos a la Corey Davis uh, in those in those routes that you were describing. Yep. And then on the, on the Broncos side, you know, just a tough matchup. Steelers D is really going to be strong this year. Uh, looks like Philip Lindsay questionable with the toe injury. So we could get some Royce Freeman. You know, he almost scored on that uh, play uh, on the Monday night game, which was surprising. He kind of came out of nowhere uh, after Lindsay went out. But uh, Gordon was pretty solid. Uh, you were on him uh, for that slate. But, yep. you know, the, the Steelers are an option for me here as a defense, um, yep. you know, with Sutton questionable. Lindsay questionable, uh, over under 41 and a half. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be looking there as one of my options for defense. I, I totally agree with you. I'm glad you mentioned that because they, I have them down as pretty much my number one defense. And if, if I'm reading this correct, I'm pretty sure there's some pretty low over unders, uh, but Denver has the lowest total on the entire slate, I believe. Um, so, uh, yeah, going, just a road the, game going against this elite defense. Yeah. Just the bills, dolphins, is half a point lower at 41 on BetUS, but right there in the, at number two on the list. If you look at the team total, though, Miami's projected for like 17.75, where Denver's like 16 and a half. So like their implied total is 16 and a half, which right. is pretty low. And exactly. I think that, uh, you know, uh, inexperienced, you know, young quarterback uh, with the with the Denver quarterback there. So I think Pittsburgh is, there's, it's a really big, uh, the, uh, the pass rush that Pittsburgh has against that Denver offensive line is a really big mismatch. So it's going to cause problems uh, for, for the Denver offense and a lot of, I'm hoping turnovers and, you know, big plays, you know, Pittsburgh's defense is definitely that type of defense that scores touchdowns and gets a lot of turnovers. And obviously they, they get a lot of sacks too. So they're just, yeah, they're definitely one of the top defensive plays this week. Excellent. Well, speaking of turnovers in the next game on the one o'clock slate, we've got the Panthers against the Bucks. Tom Brady coming off a couple turnovers in that disappointing opener where they lost to New Orleans. But now they are 10-point favorites at home, uh, over under 47.5. We saw the Panthers give up a bunch of points to Las Vegas. But uh, issues for Tom Brady, we've got Godwin questionable with the concussion. Good news is that Mike Evans seems to have um, gotten past that hamstring issue, so he's good to go. Um, that's the big injury news here. Um, are you going to attack 
the Panthers here, um, you know, based on what what uh, what Las Vegas did. I mean, you know, the thing about Vegas is they had Josh Jacobs and he had three touchdowns. Nobody for the Bucks uh, kind of jumps out at me in the way that Josh Jacobs did in that matchup. But Robert Jones had uh, 17 for 66. Fournette was not productive in his first game with Tampa, five carries for five yards. What are your thoughts on the on the Bucks offense? Yeah, I mean, I took a look at Rojo on this one. The problem with Rojo is you never know when they're going to give Fournette more carries as Fournette's starting to learn the offense. So it's a little bit feels like a committee. It is a great matchup, but this kind of feels like angry Tom Brady game to me. And you know how angry Tom Brady is. Uh, I'm, I'm all about the, you know throwing out some Tom Brady stacks. And even with Godwin out, I really like Mike Evans here for a blow-up spot. Mike Evans, for some reason, uh, always gets blanketed by uh, Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. And Lattimore has has his number for some reason, uh, who's, you know, Lattimore is one of the best cover corners in the league. So Mike Evans is not going to have a tough matchup this week. Brady was targeting him with some deep shots, and he had two long pass interference uh, calls because they could not handle him even with Lattimore. But this this Carolina secondary is not going to be able to contain Mike Evans. And if Godwin is out, that means more more passes funneled to Mike Evans. And you have great recency bias here. What I mean by that is Mike Evans kind of sucked last week. He he ended up catching a touchdown at the end. So people are going to look at that game log and say Mike Evans is not good with Tom Brady. And and that could be a mistake because I feel like Mike Evans is due for a blow up spot here. And he's a reasonably mid range priced guy. Uh, so I like Mike Evans here. I think he's due for a blow up. And and then I like uh, Scotty Miller. I was joking with you, which I know you didn't agree with me, but I still like the joke. Is that Scotty Miller is the new Julian Edelman for Tom Brady? You know, and if you watch him play, he just really looks like Edelman. He's same type of game. He's just really quick on those little slot routes, and he's got a little bit of explosion, run after the catch. I like Scotty Miller here. Uh, how about forty one hundred on DK? I think you can get a little bit of that Scotty Miller action there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Brady needs a guy like that. Edelman, yeah. Welker, Amendola, he always has a guy like that. Exactly. This is his yeah. new guy here. O.J. Howard is still really cheap on DraftKings. He's 3900 on DraftKings, 4800 on uh, FanDuel. And, uh, you know, O.J. Howard is explosive athlete, and Tom Brady really likes him. The, the reports out of training camp, those guys had good rapport, and it showed, you know, he's. I know that uh, Gronk's still there, but O.J. Howard caught quite a few uh, passes, and he, and he looked really good there. Um, so I look for him to get involved here um and he's going to have a great matchup against that carolina uh safeties and linebackers i don't think they're going to be able to handle oj howard he's the type of guy that can bust off a, a big play here uh and i think that you can pay up for tom brady in this in this game like i think i think that this is a game where tom brady's not afraid uh similar to when he was at new england he's not afraid to blow a team out here you can see vegas's total eight and a half point favorites for tampa bay implied total of 28 which is huge so Tom Brady, I think, can pour it on, run up the score a little bit, get the ball to these guys. And I think that this is a good game for fantasy in, in that perspective. Even if they're in a big lead, it's not like they're just going to solely run the ball. Tom Brady will keep passing, I think. And it, and if that's the case, then you got to like Tom Brady and his targets in this one. Yeah, it's a nice approach. I like that. Um, what did I call Jones? Did I call him Robert? I think I was yeah, thinking, you might have said Robert. Yeah, you might have been thinking, thinking Robert of, Woods or something. I think I, I think I was looking at Robbie Anderson on the other side. As yeah. a guy that, um, you know, I was I was sort of in the back of my mind week one, and yep. you know I, I wrote down that stat line six for one fifteen and one, um, a guy to keep an eye on uh, for the Panthers. But um, you know I'm going to fade McCaffrey again. We did yep. that last week and it worked. You know he got in the end zone a couple times, but he didn't smash. 
And, you know, New Orleans um, just had a really low uh, yards per carry. Um, Kamara got in the end zone twice, but didn't do much in terms of yards per touch. So probably going to fade McCaffrey again. All right, game nine. We've got two games left at one o'clock. This is the Jags against the Titans. Uh, another one of the lower over-unders. It's 42-and-a-half. Titans favored by nine at home. Uh, injury news here. We've got A.J. Brown questionable. He did not practice today because of a knee. And Corey Davis questionable with the hamstring. You know, they've got the short turnaround having played on Monday night. Um, how about Gardner Minshew on the other side? 19 of 20 in week one. Scored three times, or three touchdown passes, and they got that upset against the Colts. Uh, any guys here that you're looking at? You know, I I probably wouldn't play Gardner Minshew, but if you wanted a one-off for Jacksonville, I'll go back to DJ, DJ Chark. I think DJ Chark has had uh, Tennessee's secondary is pretty vulnerable here. They're another team that's pretty stout against the run up front. They got a great front seven, but they're they're pretty average at best, if not bad in the secondary and DJ shark is it's going to be a perfect game script for him. You talk about garbage time in the third and fourth quarter uh, where, you know, Minshew's slinging the ball around, throwing those deep balls to, to shark. Uh, he's always the type of guy that gets those plays at the end of the game. So, and he's, he's pretty cheap in the $6,000 range. So I do like DJ, DJ shark. Uh, of course, I like Derrick Henry here. I'm having a hard time getting away from Derrick Henry. I think he's a guy that you do pay up for. Uh, I mean, the way the philosophy I look at there is Derrick Henry's an elite running back. He's the most powerful, best, you know, pure running running back in the league. He's obviously the rushing rushing title king from a year ago. He's got a great matchup against Jacksonville. They look pretty solid, actually, against Indianapolis's running game last week. But I think that game just got out of hand and Indianapolis got away from doing what they did. I think it kind of threw him off when Marlon Mack got injured. So but in this one, you have. Derrick Henry at home, where last week he had to go against a tough Denver defense at mile high at altitude for the first game of the year. Now Derrick Henry's well-rested at home, where he's going to get a ton of carries. I think he's going to be more productive with those carries, and he's just going to wear out the Jacksonville Jaguars. When you're talking about a home favorite that's like a nine-point favorite in the bell cow, Derrick Henry, against a pretty weak Jacksonville team that has to travel on the road, I'm all about paying up for Derrick Henry in that spot. I don't even care if he doesn't catch any passes. I think he's just going to, you know, he's just going to dominate in the run game and get in the end zone here. So so this is one of those spots I will pay up for Derrick Henry. And you could look at guys like A.J. Brown, for example. He's kind of due for a bounce back game. But I don't really know if they're going to have to pass that much is the problem. I think Tannehill is just going to be fine handing it off to Derrick Henry and letting him just dominate. Uh, so we'll see. That's kind of how I see this game playing out. But uh, we'll see. They got to play the game. I mean, no one thought Jacksonville was going to be Indianapolis last week either. So that's why you say you got to see see what happens. Yeah, that's right. And I'm on the same guys as you are, but I probably won't get too much exposure to this one. Chark certainly makes some sense. Um, you know, you could look at Henry in that home matchup. Uh, you could pair him with the defense or just use the Titans defense. Big favorites. Um, hope to get some some big plays there. All right. Last one o'clock game, Giants and Bears in Chicago. The Bears are five and a half point favorites. Over-under set at 42. Uh, Trubisky ended up with some good numbers because of those late touchdowns. Uh, big news out of Chicago this week, Allen Robinson complaining about his contract. Uh, he did get nine, nine targets last week, caught five for 74. Uh, Pittsburgh had some success against the Giants through the air. What do you think about Trubisky and Robinson? Any interest there? 
No, I I think that the uh, the Giants are a decent defense. Um, I think that they're they're much improved this year compared to last year. Uh, and I don't I don't I don't really have any interest in those guys. I'm I you know I was kind of leaning on you for the Chicago picks because I don't know if it's my bias because they beat the Lions or not. But I'm having a hard time, or maybe it's not. Maybe I just don't like this spot here. It is a pretty low over under, but Chicago is favored at home. Uh, but I'm just having a hard time getting to these Chicago guys and trusting them. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually not really on Chicago. I just threw it yeah. out there as a way to start the conversation. I know. But, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, the, the real thing is the narrative with Robinson. You know, sometimes that, that sort of thing happens. It can go one of two ways. You know, yeah. people can get upset and things just don't go smoothly. Or maybe Trubisky targets him even more. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Pittsburgh has some good success uh, through the air. So I, you could look at Robinson. He'd probably be the one guy I would look at. Uh, but not too interested in the in the Chicago backfield. Yeah, and then I think Saquon Barkley is kind of sneaky here because obviously he got completely stymied, is I think the word for uh, against Pittsburgh's tough uh, defensive front. I mean, he was literally going carries yeah. six yards. Yeah, he was going backwards most of the time. It was like, what is going on? But I think that was probably more the fact that Pittsburgh's front is just absolutely dominant rather than the Giants being completely horrendous. The Giants aren't great, right. but their uh Saquon is still a really talented back. They're 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 looking to get him the ball more in space. So maybe he could get more catches and he could I think that he's good enough to break off a couple runs against the Chicago team. Chicago's really good, but uh I saw Adrian Peterson have some really explosive runs against them and obviously uh, you know, Saquon's a lot more explosive than old Adrian Peterson. So I, you know, I think the Lions did have some success running the ball. Um, and I think that uh, the Giants can run the ball against Chicago, even though they are a tough matchup. I just don't think they're anywhere near as tough a matchup as that Pittsburgh team was. Uh, so for that, I'll, I'll bet on the talent. I do kind of like Saquon Barkley. I'm just not sure in terms of lineup construction if I'm going to be able to pay up that much for him because he's $9,000 on FanDuel, for example. Um, but I would say he's a sneaky play because it's one of those times people are going to see at Chicago and steer clear of Saquon and see that he got dominated last week. But this is the game where Saquon's talented enough to have a blow-up spot here. Um, it's just he a matter of if he can break off a couple big ones. Yeah, He certainly is. Yep. All right, Shane, before we get to the 4 o'clock games, I just want to uh, mention one strategy point. Um, when you're building lineups in the NFL, I think it's really important to be aware of the kickoff time as we get ready to uh, hit these 4 o'clock games. Um, you know, if you're new to NFL DFS, um, what you want to do with your 4 o'clock games is if you have the option, put those guys in your flex spot because if there's late injury news, uh, you're sitting there, you know, 345 Eastern, you've got a great lineup. And then that guy you've got in the flex spot, maybe he was he had a questionable tag and you've got a great lineup going. But then late news comes that he's out. You want to be able to pivot to someone at any position. So just make sure the last thing you do before you, you know, step away from your phone and get ready for kickoff at one o'clock Eastern. Just double check and make sure that everybody who's in your flex spot is playing at four o'clock unless you don't have that option. So, you know, you may go with three running backs at one o'clock and you can't do that. But just wanted to mention that as we transition to the four o'clock games here, we've got three on this slate. First one involves that Washington football team against Arizona. Washington, surprising win there under Rivera. They got off to a great start. And Arizona, nice win too against San Fran. So they're at home this week, seven point favorites. Over under on BetUS is 47 and a half. 
Uh, one of the stats that jumped out at me in uh, week one was we talk about some of these quarterbacks and their rushing prowess. Kyler Murray, 13 carries for 91. You know, that kind of eats into what Drake is doing. And then DeAndre Hopkins, what a massive game with Murray, 14 for 151. So um, what are your thoughts about Arizona going up against this Washington team that stood up pretty well against Philly and actually got the win? Yeah, I, I like it. I like the spot for Arizona. They're at home. Washington has to travel out there. Uh, you know, uh, I just want to call them football team. You know, football right. team has a good has a good pass rush. Chase Young, I think, really is an elite athlete. He's pretty amazing what he's able to do. Come in as a rookie right away. He's an instant like Pro Bowl caliber player here. So. So the football team is uh, really solid. They're playing some pretty good football for a football team. <laughs> I, like I can't help myself. Sounds like you're talking it. in the third person about it. I know. Or the, like some imaginary I know. team. I know, exactly. So this uh, this team is tough. they got a tough front. But their, their secondary is pretty weak. Uh, and uh, Kyler Murray is sneaky enough to, to avoid that pass rush. And if the pass rush gets too aggressive – for the football team, then Kyler Murray can just take off running and he's causing a lot of issues. And, you know, it's a similar type matchup as an elite front he went up against in San Fran. So I don't see any reason why at home he can't maneuver them. And and they don't really have anyone to cover uh, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald, you know. And I think Drake could be in a good spot here as well for a blow-up game, uh, you know, in, if they could uh, run the ball on the on the football team here. Um, on the on the Washington side here, uh, Logan Thomas, I talked about him last week. He ended up catching a touchdown. I could see him getting a lot of targets. And there's the whole, you know, Arizona's not really good against uh, not really good against tight ends. Uh, I know that. Kittle got hurt in that game last week, which that hurt San Francisco's uh, ability to exploit the matchup. But Logan Thomas, just a really big athlete. He's a red zone target. He got a bunch of red zone targets in there. Uh, And he's the type of guy at 3,600 on DK, allows you to pay up on some spots. So he's in a good spot here. And they're going to have to pass the ball because we're expecting to be down pretty big as Arizona's seven-point favorites. And then the same thing goes for Terry McLaurin. I think Terry McLaurin uh, could uh, get off against Patrick Peterson. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, he's just really talented, and it's only a matter of time before he has a big game. So I think Terry McLaurin, being that he's going to be in that pass game script, uh, pass script where against Philadelphia they were so tough on defense that they didn't have to pass as much. I think they're really going to have to pass more, and it's going to be a fast-paced game. So that might set up well for a sneaky Terry McLaurin game here uh, for him to have a big game. He's super talented. And then, you know, on the Arizona side, uh, Kyler Murray's, Pretty expensive now at some sites. It depends on the site. Actually, he's he's a better value on DraftKings than he is on FanDuel. Uh, but Kyler Murray's good. He's a dual threat quarterback. I don't think this uh, this Washington defense is going to make it easy on him though. They they are pretty tough defense with that front. But Kyler Murray's solid. DeAndre Hopkins obviously good, like we said. And Christian Kirk is kind of a sneaky play as he could have a big game as well and sneak in there uh, at, at at home here for Arizona. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a game that you can you can definitely take a look at uh, look at for exposure. It'll be interesting to see how they can do against Arizona's tough offense here. Yeah, you're right. I mean. Uh probably won't be targeted as much as some of these other higher total games, but you mentioned Arizona's pace and, you know, Murray and Hopkins off to such a phenomenal start. Uh, and as you know, I focus more on DraftKings. So that price for Murray is attractive. You certainly could pair those two guys together again. And then on the Washington side, you know, you were on Logan Thomas. Uh, he was your sneaky call this summer, like deep, yeah. deep sleeper. 
And you mentioned him last week as a guy who might uh, pay off. He certainly paid off value. Um, So nice call there. You could go back to him. And uh, Antonio Gibson, he got 11 touches. His price has gone up a little bit, but uh, certainly could try to get him the ball if they're trailing, and he could pay off value as well. Yep. All right, next game, uh, back to a high over-under. All these games at 4 o'clock and after have some healthy over-unders. This one is Baltimore against Houston, and it's a 51.5 total. Ravens favored by 7 after that easy win up in the cool Cleveland air. And, uh, you know, the the thing I want to mention here is I always pay a lot of attention to the schedule, and the rest, the the Texans have a – you know, very difficult matchup here against the Ravens, but they do have the rest, you know, because they played that Thursday night game. So yeah, good point. Guy like David Johnson, who I th- I thought looked great, um, you know, he could be a guy that you could get at lower ownership against this very tough Ravens defense. But he's rested. He's he's sort of rejuvenated in this new role. Uh, what what do you think about that as a GPP play? Yeah, I, I love that in, in a big field tournament because you're right, David Johnson, if you're going to get him in like 2% ownership because, I mean, no one's going to want to play him even though he looked good the first game against this tough Baltimore team. But, yeah, he's got the advantage of being at home and having a much better rest. And Houston has a pretty good offensive line, and it's not like Baltimore's, you know, you can't run on them at all. I mean, you still can run on them. Uh, you know, Nick Nick Chubb and uh, – in, uh, uh, Kareem Hunt were actually getting some decent rushes against them. It's just the game script got way out yeah. of hand last yeah, week. So good yards per carry. Yeah. So if yep. Houston can stay in this, David Johnson, you know, I, I was a big, big proponent of him in preseason when everyone was pretty much dogging him out. And he came out and looked really solid in that Thursday night opener. Uh, he's their bell cow. I mean, he's their go-to guy. They got Duke Johnson, who's a change of pace, but Duke Johnson's not really doing much. And David Johnson is their go-to guy. So I like that. That is a good idea as a, as a sleeper, because most people are not that not that bold to play David Johnson against Baltimore. But you're right. Some things are, are, are shaping up where he could have a good game. So that's a good call out there. OK. Uh, anything else you like from this game? What are your thoughts on the Ravens? Obviously, they have a strong matchup. Uh, Texans gave up 34 points to Kansas City in week one, um, you know, challenging the backfield trying to sort that out. Offensive coordinator Greg Roman came out and said they're going to have a different rotation every week. We'll have to see if that's actually true or not. But what are your thoughts on the Ravens side? You know, when I watched the Ravens tape, uh, aside from Lamar Jackson just being absolutely ridiculous, but we already kind of knew that, right? So that wasn't learning anything new. But I will tell you that kind of like when I was talking about with Todd Gurley, Mark Andrews, or Mark Ingram, I mean, I want to talk about Mark Andrews. That's why I mentioned that. But uh, Mark Ingram looked, a little bit kind of like he's getting old to me, yeah. which he is kind of getting old. He, he looks like he lost a step. He didn't look as explosive as he did before. Like he's decent, but J.K. Dobbins was clearly way more explosive and powerful and better as a mm-hmm. runner than him, even though he's a yeah. rookie. So I look at it as J.K. Dobbins is the lead back, and they're just kind of saving him for that end-of-the-year run. Uh, but until then, it's a full-blown committee. You know, they got up pretty big, so they have talented guys like Gus Edwards and uh, you know, Justice Hill behind him. So, but I could see, uh, I could tell you that J.K. Dobbins was the was the green zone back inside the five, you know, 10-yard line. He was the number one guy there. Uh, and, 
Ingram did not look great. So that tells me that if they want to win the games, they're going to start giving J.K. Dobbins more, more carries here. And even with limited carries, even if it's only 14 or 15 carries, the guy in this offense can, can get a lot of production. So you got to like J.K. Dobbins. I don't know if I'm going to be on him this week, but he is a guy you have to keep a close eye on. He's definitely, I think, the lead back in this offense like right away. It's just a matter of how much carries they want to give him, you know. Um, and then, and then, of course, Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean, of course you love, I mean, you got to love Mark Andrews here. Uh, he's, you know, he's fairly expensive, but he's just a guy you have to pay up for. Uh, if you saw those catches he made, they were just ridiculous, you know. It's like he catches everything he's got, and Lamar Jackson just has that uncanny ability of, of avoiding the rush and getting out there. And as I, as I kind of talked about in the preseason, I didn't think Lamar Jackson would run as much, and I was right there. He's not going to run as much. He's still explosive and can run, but why would you – why would you risk it when you don't have to? So he really was hitting Marquise Brown on some nice uh, deep routes. Uh, he was hitting Mark Andrews a lot. And, yeah, Mark Andrews is too good. It's too good of a matchup. You know, he's the main tight end there now. He's getting pretty much all the tight ends, and he's pretty much still their top receiver. Um, and you could take a look at Marquise Brown as well. The only thing I don't like about Marquise Brown is the fact that Bradley Roby is going to shadow him, and he looked actually pretty good against Tyreek Hill in that opener game. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate the same matchup, but they're similar type, you know, smaller, fast players here. Yep. So I think Marquise Brown can have a big game, but I think Bradley Roby might be able to limit his upside a little bit. So that's where Mark Andrews, they have no one that can cover him. So Mark Andrews is probably in another blow-up spot here. Lamar Jackson will be pretty good. I just don't know if I want to pay it for him. It makes you nervous not having Lamar Jackson in your lineup and going into the 425 lock game. I can tell you that right. much, though. Yep. So that's one thing. So it's going to be a very interesting afternoon here. Um, but, yeah, I kind of like that sneaky David Johnson uh, play here. Because uh, are you – what about Houston's passing game? Are you thinking about that at all as a contrarian uh, play or no? Probably not. I think I'll keep my contrarian exposure here to David Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but I think that, you know, if Bill O'Brien loves David Johnson, as I had talked about, he wants to prove that he made the right trade. And if you're trying to keep Lamar Jackson and company off the field, that's what you need to do is dominate in the run game and control right. the clock a little bit. So that's the, that's their avenue to win, because I don't think they want to get into a shootout, even, uh, uh, you know, even with Deshaun Watson and him having good receivers. I don't think you want to get, a, get, get into a shootout against this Baltimore team, uh, because their defense is a lot better than your defense is on the other side. So right. it's not going to probably end well. I can't exactly. Imagine. Exactly. Yep. yep. And I agree with you on the chalkier quote unquote play with Andrews. You know, Kelsey had a great uh, first week against Houston. Uh, so I, I do like him out of the passing game for Baltimore again. And speaking of Kelsey and the Chiefs, they are in the final game here on the Sunday main slate. The other 425 kickoff. They are nine point favorites on betus.com.pa uh, in a game with a 47 and a half over under and like the Texans, the Chiefs come in here with a bunch of rest. So they're one and zero, defending champs. They've got rest. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked quite uh, quite special there in Week One. Will you have some exposure to the Chiefs here in Week Two? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who I like from the Chiefs because uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is priced up now. Um, his price shot up pretty quick there uh, as, a, as a bell cow back on this great offense. And you got Baltimore in that game we just talked about in Kansas City with an implied total 28 or more, which is crazy for a Vegas total. So these are really high scoring teams. Just trying to figure out who you want exposure to. I think I might like uh, Patrick Mahomes in this one. Uh, you know, he's, 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 but he's still going to be fairly expensive. And the Chargers have a decent pass rush and a good secondary. 
So that's the only thing that's making me a little bit nervous about Patrick Mahomes here. So I'm having a hard time finding a lot of guys that I like here. I mean, obviously, there's the obvious place. You know, Tyreek Hill is good, but again, it's a tough secondary. He's going to have a tough matchup. Uh, so it's just one of those games where I feel like, okay, some of the uh, kind of role players for Kansas City can score a lot of points, and they'll kind of just spread it out. But I can't really determine which guy is going to be the best because it's not an easy cakewalk matchup here. And then on the Chargers side, Terod Taylor didn't really look that good uh, as a passer. You know, he can run around a little bit, but he didn't really look good. And that kind of downgrades uh, Keenan Allen a little bit. And also uh, Terod Taylor, especially compared to Phillip Rivers of the past, was not good at checking down to the running backs and getting the Austin Ecklers of the world open on short routes. So because of that, it's really hard to get to a lot of these Charger guys when the running backs aren't as productive as they used to be. Keenan Allen doesn't seem to be quite as good with Terod Taylor in this lineup. I think it's only a matter of time, if, unless something changes drastically, it's only a matter of time before you see Justin Herbert in this running this offense here because I think he's a lot better passer. Um, and that's the issue here. Plus, you're dealing with Kansas City well-rested. They're going on the road, but Kansas City is a really good, uh, you know, really good defense, as we saw in the opener. So, so that's the issue I'm having with this game is where do you get exposure if you're trying to get it here on the Kansas City side? Um, and yeah. that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm with you. I think it's a real tough challenge. You know, we're, we're not going to go back to Sammy Watkins. We know what he does in week one. He plays well. Week two, he disappears. Uh, and then, you know, we you mentioned the tough matchup with the Chargers secondary. And then, you know, we, we saw in week one that it was really Demarcus Robinson getting six targets. Nicole Hardman only got one. Um, so, you you know, you could say, well, I have some more faith in Demarcus Robinson. Maybe that's where I'll go. But, I mean, would anybody be shocked if, if Hardman gets more involved in the um, the game plan this week and gets a gets a few targets and maybe even a score. So yeah, I think that's a real challenge for me. It's more of a GPP one off if you want to get some exposure to this game. Uh, but I'll more likely uh, spend most of my money elsewhere. Yeah, and I think the Baltimore the Baltimore stack is probably uh, going to probably work out better than the Kansas City stack. But it, it's a little hard to tell because Kansas City is Kansas City. Obviously, uh, I think Clyde edwards helaire will still be pretty pretty highly owned. Uh, just because he is in this great offense and he looked great and he's going to catch the ball. He's getting the red zone looks and everything. And he's pretty much the main guy there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a tough decision to go. Uh, you're getting, trying to get a Baltimore guy in there or you're trying to get a Kansas city guy, but there's a ton of good plays in the early games as well. So these, these afternoon 425 games are going to cause quite the sweat for people, whether it's good or bad, but I guess we'll, we'll see. So you better hope that your one o'clock games is, uh, players are looking good because you got to go against these two elite quarterbacks in the 425 games. So that that's makes right. it really interesting. Yes, it does. Well said. So uh, that's going to wrap up the Sunday slate for us. In terms of the schedule, we'll have our next NFL podcast out Saturday night. And in that one, we'll go through position by position, look a little bit more at the pricing and talk to you a little bit more about our actual build. And then if you want to jump in as a member to get our lineups, you can do that anytime between now and Sunday, and we give out those lineups about an hour before lock. Again, uh, full lineups on FanDuel, cash lineup, GPP lineup, coach's clipboard on DraftKings, and a full lineup on Yahoo. So grab one of our memberships at DFSCoachTalk.com. Uh, we mentioned social media. You can find us all on Twitter at DFSCoachTalk. You can find us on Instagram at DFS underscore CoachTalk. Uh, thanks for all your support on YouTube. This is a, um, a podcast that's in front of the paywall, so we'd appreciate it if you give that thumbs up and uh, subscribe. And then our charity of choice here is mambaon3.org, 
M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-R-E-E.org. Um, did I hit everything, Shane? Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun Sunday with, with these 13 games and all these interesting matchups. And the NFL gives you good surprises every single week. That's the fun thing about it. It's like reality TV at its best. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be tremendous. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another NBA show to get you ready for the beginning of the Western Conference Finals. So uh, please do tune in to that. And we will uh, look forward to seeing you then as we look to crush it in DFS. <laughs>